Hey, it's Pastor Ted Fabianic here from Faith Life Church in Melbourne, Australia. Welcome to our podcast. We pray that when you listen to this, you'll be inspired and blessed to reach the best things that God has for you. See, one of the, one of the things about the kingdom of God, you get to choose how much you receive and how much you live. See, one of the things outside of the kingdom of God, we're beggars. We're thinking, oh, God, I wish you would do this. I wish you would do that. Inside the kingdom of God, you actually get to choose what you want. Come on, come on. See, when, can you imagine going up to Jesus and you're going, I just met Jesus and I'm disappointed? It, it does, not real. So today you're going to be blessed. Today you need to hear by revelation, not by information. I don't want to give you any more information. The world is full of information. If you want information, there's a pastor Google. Um, he's very obedient, and he has a, and he has a, a associate pastor by the name of Siri. Okay, Father, we just thank you this morning that you're with us, you're for us. You're going to do something amazing in us. And Father, we just move from information to transformation. Father, we want to live what we read. We want to move where you moved. So Father, right now in the name of Jesus, we just give ourselves to you today. And we just thank you that we're going to move in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. You may be seated. We're continuing on our message, Grace Arrived with its own instructions. The word grace, when we're talking about grace, is not a word found in the English dictionary or any other dictionary. Grace is a kingdom word. Grace is not a word that we go, well, that, that's how do I describe something? The first time the word grace is mentioned in the Bible, is that Jesus is with his disciples and they're saying, we know that the end is going to come and you're going to come back. Give us some kind of uh, foundation that we can be aware of knowing that the end is coming. And Jesus talks to his disciples and he takes them all the way back to Noah. Now what's really interesting is this. This is the first time the word grace is mentioned, and it's mentioned in what will it be like when you come back? What, are you, what is the sign that you are coming back? Now, watch, watch this. There are a lot of signs. There is tri tribulations. How many of you know today that right now bombs are going off in the Middle East? Bombs are going off in Europe. There's trouble going on everywhere. But God says this. You will know the end is come is when people start to live in grace. Think about this. He goes, the, the, what's going to be like when you return? And he mentions grace. Now, I want you to understand something. Because God introduces grace. He gives you the instructions for grace. See, one of the things that the demonic activity works is in this. It's the redefinition of experiences. So you'll find when Satan revealed himself right in the beginning with Eve, and he tried to redefine how God made them. 
So what happens, what can happen to you is you can have a genuine experience with God and let somebody redefine that experience and then you stop living, you're living lesser than the first experience. Did that make sense to anybody? So you get saved and it's a miracle and then you start to work it out in the natural. What's happened to you? Somebody's redefined your salvation. So what we have, look, as in the days of Noah, and watch this, the family was favored. He introduces what happens in a family. So what has grace and family got to do with each other? So number one, first of all, God calls himself a father. Do you know the word for family is God, father's house? Or the father's choice. So every time God says family, he goes, the father's house. So here's something for you to drop into your spirit. Is whatever happens to the father happens to the rest of the family. Every time I've moved house, I did something really unusual. I took my whole family with me. No, I'm, I'm being serious. This is not a joke. When we moved from Lilydale to Roville, guess what I took? I took the contents of the house, but I also took my family. When I got a, when I got a pay rise, the whole family started to live better. Then when I moved into a bigger house, guess what I did? I took the family. When I upgraded a car, guess what the family drove in? You're starting to get it. See, whatever happened to me as the head of the house also happened to the house. So I got promoted. See, the first time I got promoted at work, no one asked me about my wife or my children or anything else. I got promoted. How many of you have ever been promoted on the basis that your wife is good? Or your husband is good? See, when you're working, you get promoted on the merits of that. So God introduces grace and he puts family in it. So today we want to talk about the family of grace. I want you to have a look at uh, the gift of faith and favor that comes through relationship. Because God is called the father, that the gift that is on his life comes onto your life. Listen to this. For by grace you have been saved by faith. Nothing you did could ever earn this salvation. For it was the love gift from God that brought it to us Christ in Christ. So no one will ever be able to boast. For salvation is never a reward for good works or human striving. So what grace does first is this. Is what happens to one happens to the rest without striving. So what happens to one happens to be without striving. We're going to deal a lot more into that. So now he introduces Noah. Now I want you to just to show you now what God passed down. See, here's the amazing thing is, is we're going to, we'll just go over it again. Because if you can see this, he will change everything. It was Noah that found grace in the sight of God. But his family got the full benefit of it. 
without striving. So what you find is this, is when God introduces Noah, he doesn't talk about his wife or his children. He talks about Noah and the people that were in relationship to him. So what we find in the scripture that we've just read is this, is that faith and grace flow through relationship, not effort. So if your faith isn't working, check your relationship. If you are struggling with grace, check your relationship. So what he does to Noah is phenomenal. He comes in and he says, Noah, I'm going to bless you. And everybody that is associated with you in relationship is going to get the same blessing without the effort that you put in. The reason we struggle with grace is relationship. God made this. This is how God defines grace. He goes, if you are in relationship, you get the same benefit. So therefore it means whatever you are lacking is made up by relationship. Whatever you're not understanding is made up by relationship. Now look at, look at how God describes Noah in Hebrews 11.7. says this, Faith opened Noah's heart to receive revelation and warnings from God about what was coming. Even things that had never been seen. But he stepped out in the reverent obedience to God and built an ark that would save him and his family. By his faith, the world was condemned. But Noah received God's gift of righteousness that comes by believing. Now watch this. Noah receives a revelation, but it's the same revelation that flows down to his family. So what does that show you? That grace does not have any favorites. So when God revealed what was coming, now watch, let me just put this down to you. What's, when grace has been so redefined in so many circles was this is that there's more talk about God's judgment seat than God's mercy seat. When we start talking about the end times, the most focus comes on, oh, it's the judgment of God is coming, the judgment of God is coming, the judgment of God's coming. You know, the first thing that the Father revealed to Noah is that for 120 years, people will have to reject, reject the message of grace before the judgment seat. So the end is going to be coming when we're getting, getting closer, closer to coming of Jesus is there's going to be more in the public atmosphere about the mercy of God than the judgment of God. See, you have to reject the mercy seat before the judgment seat is exposed. I want you to... Because you, you, you're a smart church. You're a smart church. You're a smart church. Come on, give yourself a break. You're a smart church. Do a Noah. Rest and do nothing and just be smart. When you talk about the ark, 
there was another ark that came after this ark and was called the Ark of the Covenant. Correct? You know what's really interesting about the Ark of the Covenant? Is God said, I want you to make a box. And now what I want you to put inside it, I want you to put Aaron's rod that budded, but I also want you to put the Ten Commandments. But you know what he did then? That he says, after you've put the Ten Commandments, which is the judgment of God, I want you to put the mercy seat on top of it. So you don't see the judgment, you see the mercy seat. Isn't it interesting? We're more fascinated with the judgment of God than we are at the mercy of God. You know what's also really interesting? God said this, you are not allowed to remove the mercy seat. If you remove the mercy seat, you will die. Do you realize there's an occurrence, and some historians believe is this, is that one day these priests decided, I wonder what the judgment of God looks like. So what they decided to do, they went into the temple and removed the mercy seat. They're saying 70,000 people died that day. Wow. Isn't it interesting? Just think about here, the culture, the, the spiritual culture that sometimes is prevailing is we're more fascinated with judgment with, in not the mercy. Do you realize that judgment doesn't change anybody? <laughs> okay. Oh, I need now honesty factor. How many of you were speeding in the last two weeks? You, you broke the speed limit. Put your hand up. Become honest. How is it that the law says that you will be punished, but you still did it? It, it didn't deter you. We are designed, listen to me carefully, we are designed to respond to grace and not judgment. The Bible says it's the love of God that draws us to repentance, not the judgment of God that draws us to repentance. Do you realize in the times of Noah, guess what people were doing? They were going, no to grace, no to grace, no to grace. And you know what was really interesting? Noah preached the same message for 120 years. Can you imagine coming to church and I preach the same message? You go, oh, hey, we're going to church today. Hey, hey, guess what's going to happen? Pastor Ted's preaching. What's he going to preach on? Same message as last week. If you missed last week's message, don't worry about it. It will come back in the following week. He's just written a book. How big is the book? One chapter. It's the same chapter. Chapter one is the same as chapter two. Chapter two is the same. Because you know what was happening? This is how powerful grace is. Every time you hit a need, grace comes up, says, choose me. No, I'd rather choose this. So you realize that you have to bypass God every single day. <laughs> See, most of our striving is not striving with God. It's striving to bypass God. You've got, you got to... Do you realize you've got to try really hard to go to hell? Have you ever thought of that? Come on. The Bible says the wages of sin is... How do you earn wages? You've got to work for it. Let's be Christian thinkers, right? The wages of sin. That means I've worked really hard to be a failure. I worked really hard to be broke. I worked really hard to have bad relationships. 
See, once you start to enter grace, amazing things happen. So what we have is grace comes up and he says, Noah, I have th- you have found favor with me. You're walking in integrity. You're walking in uprightness. You have a relationship with me. And then he says this to him. Now, because your wife and your children have a relationship with you, they will get the same benefit as you. Ooh, come on. The problem that we have is when we start to think family, we think of hierarchy. There's got to be the head of the house and everybody serves him. Then there's got to be number two and then she serves number one but then she needs to be served so we have a number three that serves number two so she can keep serving number one. And then we go down there and then the last kid says, I need somebody to serve me. Let's get them a dog. Let the dog serve the kid. Let the kid serve the elder brother. Let the elder brother serve the mom. Let the mom serve the dad and now we have a happy family. But in God's family, everybody gets the same deal. And one of the things that grace requires us to do is to believe that God is blessed. We've been doing this over uh, my word of the day. In Ephesians 1.3, says, it starts, it starts with this, Blessed be God. And I mentioned this, I looked at most of the prayers that are prayed in synagogues and have been prayed since the Torah was written. Every prayer starts with God is blessed. The reason he does that is because if you understand that God is blessed and whatever he is blessed with, it flows down. There isn't a filter that takes the blessing out. So when God gives us something, he gives it to us in full measure. But what happens is in our thinking, in our traditions, we minimize it, we squash it down, and we go, come on. Do you realize God's grace is too good to be true in the natural realm, but it's normal in the kingdom realm? See, whatever... When something comes from heaven and gets explained on earth in its fullness, it sounds like exaggeration. That is why Apostle Paul said it like this. More than the ear has heard, more than the eye has seen, more than you can imagine is the love of God. So God says this, in outside of the kingdom, you cannot have a full understanding on what I am doing. But inside the kingdom, it's not a longer an exaggeration. See, outside of the kingdom, we call it a miracle. Inside the kingdom, we call it natural life. Let, let me just clear this up. I'll, I'll have a little bit more on Christmas Day on this one. When we're talking about miracles. Miracles happen spasmodically outside of the kingdom, but inside of the kingdom, miracles are our daily bread. 
Because Jesus was a miracle. He walked a miracle, spoke a miracle. And here is he's Noah, and God says to him, because I am your father, Noah, family. And because of family, you are blessed. Now, everybody associated with you gets blessed. Do you realize that is what Paul was talking about? He says, every gift has already been given to you. Right, because once you become a family member, you don't get gifts every single day. It comes one gift in one lump all of a sudden. Okay, watch this. The first gift, what God did, he reversed, grace reversed everything that Adam and Eve did. Look at Genesis, again, just building on what we built last week. Genesis 5, 29. And he named him Noah, saying, This one shall bring us rest and comfort from our work, and from the dreadful toil of our hands because of the ground which the Lord cursed. So he goes, Noah, I'm going to name you grace. Now watch this. The word Noah in a mirror is the same word for grace. We reverse it and it's grace. So God spelled his name and then he introduced grace. And he goes, grace breaks the curse of toil. It doesn't say effort. He goes, watch this. This one shall bring us relief from our work and from the painful toil of our hands. A curse is designed to irritate you, wear you out, so that you need rest. Rest from what? When you are tired, you are no longer you no longer want to be in community. How many, you know, when you're tired, you want to be alone? You want to sleep by yourself? Isn't it hard when you're really tired and people want to have a talk to you? Have you ever been in a great meal, but you're so tired you can't enjoy it? Why? Because it's toiling. What's toil? You need to get another job. You need two or three jobs to pay your mortgage. Toil. You need to go to 450 seminars to have a great marriage. Toil. The system outside of God is designed to make you work. And he says grace is designed to bring an end from work and from the painful toil of our hands. So the question that you need to be asking yourself is this. Grace always asks you this question. In what area are you toiling Okay, what area depletes you of energy? What area depletes you of relationship? What area? And God says, this is the curse. But it is grace that breaks the curse. Now, Genesis 8, so 6 verses 8 to 9 says this. But Noah found favor and grace in the eyes of the Lord. And these are the records of the generations of family history of Noah. Noah was righteous man, one who was just and had standing before God, blameless in his evil generation. Noah walked and lived in that habitual fellowship with God. 
Now, I want you to notice something. Put this scripture into context. The Bible, the word of God tells us that man was so evil that God said, I need to put a stop to this. But God says this, doesn't matter how dark it is, grace still works. No matter how dark it is, grace works. So grace is not dependent upon the economy. There are a lot of people crying after last night's elections. A lot of frustration. There's a lot of frustration in the US, Europe, Middle East. Warnings of economic downturn everywhere. Gas shortage, petrol shortage, oxygen shortage. You name it, every shortage is there. But God says this, doesn't matter how dark it is, it never puts out the light. Something for you. How many of you got iPhones? How many of you got a phone? How many of you don't know what a phone is? How many would like a phone and you want the person next door to give you a new one? Put your hand up. Watch this. Every time you pick up, oh, I got it there. Every time you pick up your iPhone and you want to take a picture, there's a meter there. And that meter doesn't measure the darkness, it measures the light. There is no dark meter, there's only a light meter. So the light meter does this, looks at the number of light, it says we need more light, and it increases the light. The problem we have, sin looks at a dark meter, how, look how dark it is. But God says it is the light, I've got a light meter, I've got a hope meter, I've got a faith meter, I've got a grace meter. So it doesn't matter how dark it is, grace upon grace upon grace upon grace. So the first thing he tells us about this is that Noah was in a, in a dark environment. Everything was wrong. The end of the world was coming. And God says, I've got an answer for you, Noah. What is the answer? The answer is grace. So in the world that we are in, the Bible says when we start talking about the end times, if there is fear regarding the end times, there is not enough revelation on the power of grace. Because it doesn't matter how dark it is, he cannot distinguish the light. I want you to, you, you good? The Bible never talks about snuffing the light out. It says don't cover the light. It doesn't, you can't put out the light. I've got good news for you. You can't put out the light. But sin and false teaching and doctrines of men cover the light. He says, don't, don't put your light under the bed because it'll burn it up. <laughs> There'll be a bit of incineration going on. You'll wake up during the night and go, it's quite warm in here. So grace works in any situation. So right now, whatever situation you find yourself in, the answer is grace. Now look at 6, we're going to be finishing in a moment. Genesis six eighteen says this, But I will make a pact with you, Noah, a covenant agreement to survive. You and your family. I want you to notice he mentions his name, but no other family name. 
You and your family, your wife, your sons, and your sons' wives must go into the ark. I want you to notice the specifics of it. He goes, grace only works in the ark. Grace only works in where God said it will work. And here's something that's really interesting. Why does God spend so much time talking about Noah and not his family? How come he does, why is it in these scriptures we don't get to know the wife's name, birth date, or the family? Is this. The reason it only talks about Noah, because if you understand family, whatever is said to Noah is also said to the wife and the kids. So you only need to know about one person, no one else. Now watch this, let's go together. Why is the Bible so full of Jesus? Why, does, why, why doesn't the Bible say lift up Peter, lift up John, lift up James? Why, the Bible doesn't say to lift up Mary. It doesn't say lift up Joseph, Pete. He talks about one person. He talks about Jesus. And then you get the Holy Spirit. Guess what the Holy Spirit does best? Talk about Jesus. Hey, Holy Spirit, pst, pst. is there anybody else you want to talk to me about? No, only I want to talk to you about Jesus. Watch this. When you understand family, whatever the Father said to Jesus, he was also talking to you. So, Let's, let's go a little bit deeper. Does, how much does the Father love Jesus? 50 50? 70-30? 80-20? Think about this. Jesus said it this way: I pray that they will have the relationship that we have that they will have, that they may be one as what? We are one. Do you realize when you understand this, every single time the father talked about Jesus' relationship, he was talking about you. Okay, okay all right. All right. Uh, you, you still good with me? Can you find me a scripture where the Father finds fault with Jesus? How many of you are not going to do Some of you are, when I, when I ask that, you know what some of you do? You, you go, ah, oh, rigor mortis. Okay. Has Jesus got any sin in him? Has Jesus fallen out of favor with God? Can Jesus backslide? Can Jesus fail? Can Jesus be depressed? Are you getting there? I mean, this side's really good. <laughs> See, one of the things when we understand grace, grace says this, Look at the relationship between the Father and Jesus. And that is the same relationship the Father has with you. I'll, I'll say that again. The kids are coming in. We're going to have some good time with the kids. 
Watch this. So the same thing that was on Jesus is now on you. The same what was on Jesus is on you. I'll try to do that again, do it again. Grace is this. Okay, let me, okay, we'll do another question here. When, what can Jesus ask for that the Father will say no to? See, one of the, see, grace asks us really difficult questions, and the reason they're difficult is because religion has painted such a picture of God. The Bible says God is blessed with everything. And because God is blessed with everything, he has blessed us with everything. And grace says this, is that now that you've entered relationship, you can expect everything. But I'm not good. It's not about you. It's about Jesus. And that's why the Bible says you must go into the ark. What does that represent? You must go into the finished work that God has prepared for you to enjoy the privileges. See, what happened when God closed the ark? What was happening on the outside wasn't happening inside. So there was, the Bible says this, you will have tribulation in the world, but be cheerful, be happy, be joyful, for I have overcome the world. So what happens is this, is when I go into the ark, the ark of the covenant, which is Jesus himself, I go in, and now I have distanced myself from what's happening outside. I have distanced myself from accusation. I've distanced myself from condemnation. That is why the scripture says, now there is no condemnation. Do you realize in the ark there was no condemnation? Let me just give you something quickly, and I'd like the worship team to come up. One of the historians that was studying the ark they came up with this, when I was looking at the scripture, there was a coating that was put inside the ark. Um, I was talking to Jesse about this. Can, can you imagine being 40 days and 40 nights in locked up room with animals? The smell? What was really interesting about the ark, the outside absorbed the smell inside. So what would happen? Any odors that came from the animal was absorbed by the ark, so it wasn't in the atmosphere. You know what that means? That your mistakes get absorbed. Your mistakes don't contaminate your atmosphere. So stop judging yourself. Stop. That is why. Can you? Can you? Oh, I'm, having, I'm having a revival by myself. <laughs> you know, just to realize that sometimes we make, how many of you know sometimes we just make mistakes? Somebody pulls in front of you and you have a thought. <laughs> Absorbed. So, see, what happens is this. Grace is so powerful that it absorbs. 
That's why the Bible says when you have fellowship one another, the blood of Christ washes you from everything. Do you realize you by coming right now has absorbed all your mistakes? Wow. That means when you have fellowship with God, there's an absorption happening. And so from today onward, remember this. Grace is about the family. What happens to the father gets passed down. You good? You've got to be better than that. Come on. Because in this world, let me just give you a bit of a, not a warning. But the Bible says there's going to be dark times. They're headed. They're here. Okay. It's, like, it's the beginning of birth pains. It's not the time for the pregnancy yet, but it's the beginning. But it's a sign. And the Bible says you should rejoice. The only way you're going to rejoice through this is by entering the ark. Religion says, look at the ark. Look at the structure. I mean, look at the complexity of it. But God says, I don't want you to look at it. I want you to enter in. You know what was really interesting? Once they entered in, as we mentioned last week, is that God closed the door. When God closed the door, he said two things. What's outside cannot come in, and you can't fall out. And then he said this. There's a, there was a window up the top. The windows, when you looked out, now watch this. This, is, this, this, will, this will help you. God created a window to look outside. But you couldn't look at the storm. You could only look at the sky. Huh. He didn't, he didn't put portholes there so you, that you can look at logs floating and all of this stuff happening, right? He put a window right up the top. So when he looked up, he could only see God. Now watch this. After 40 days, they let the dove out. They said, let's find it. Do you realize the dove was put out on the Sabbath, on the seventh day of the week? So in the time of rest, the Holy Spirit went looking. So you, you well, uh, 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 how am I going to get that? How am I going to find my, let it go. He let it go. And he came back the first time. And he was empty. So he put the dove back in and he says, no, we're not going to do this out of, we're not going to do this out of effort. We're going to do it out of grace. The next seven days went by and he let it out. And the dove came back with an olive branch that was ripped. Olive, if you've ever, do not do this at home. Do not try to eat an olive that hasn't gone through the process. It's bitter. It is really bitter. And what, what, what it stands is that on the seventh day, when he came back, he bought a torn, something that was torn, some bitter. And God says this is that what was bitter has now been dealt with by the Holy Spirit because the bitterness was held within the dove, not in them. So what is it saying? On the day of rest, God removes the bitterness of sin, the bitterness of striving. Wow. So that means you can rest. Rest. 
it's going to be good. It's going to be good. Your marriage is going to be good. Your finances are going to be good. Everything is going to be good. Why? Because it's on the day of rest where the dove does the work, not you. It is the dove that absorbs it. good that you reset your thinking now and you go I'm going to have in the ark thinking not outside of the ark thinking you're not in you're not out drowning you're not under judgment you're under grace so right now I want you to we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to stop you from striving what's going to happen tomorrow no well, I, I, no, Holy Spirit, what I'm going to do is I'm, I'm, I'm not going to try to find a hole to look at my mess. I'm going to look up the top. Because 2023 is going to be an amazing year for our church. 2023, we're going to explode. Why? Because the dove's here. God's anointing is here. Things are changing. And God is now getting you ready. I want you to notice something here, right? The ark is finished. You're entering a finished work. No more striving. Why don't you stand with me right now? I know we've, under Pastor AJ, we, we did it, but I want everybody just to lift up your hands and say, God, I'm giving it to you. God, I'm coming under grace. God, I'm getting into the ark. Father, I'm, I'm taking my finances into the ark. I'm taking my health into the ark. Father, I'm, I'm taking my job. God, I'm, I'm taking the whole thing that I am involved with into the ark. And Father, God, I am going to rest and let the ark do the work. Father, today, the curse is broken over my life because of Jesus. It's not what I have done but it what Christ has done and because he's done it he's given it to me so therefore right now I am a full partaker of the finished work of Christ I will no longer struggle I will no longer complain I will no longer manipulate but I'm going to receive the fullness of the power of God in Jesus and I want you right now, I want you just to start thanking God that you're in the ark. Father, we just thank you. Come on. Father, we thank you that we're in the ark. Father, we're not striving. We're not struggling. Father, we just thank you for the finished work of the ark. And what we're gonna, the way we're going to close is I want to give you, let's give Jesus a 30-second amazing praise for the finished work of the ark. Father, we thank you. Father, we thank you. Father, we thank you.